Hey there, this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. If you're a loyal listener, you know that I've been on a bit of a hiatus from the podcast. I'm thrilled to report that I'm back behind the microphone and super excited to bring you more amazing guests in episodes to come. Thanks for being patient during the break. Today I am joined by Marcia Wall. Marcia is a certified global career development facilitator and a certified career services provider through the National Career Development Association. She's also certified to coach people who cope with mental illness and or substance abuse issues. In today's episode, Marcia and I will be discussing two words you may or may not be familiar with, happenstance and cottywampling. Both two very fun words to say, but more importantly, two words that can have a big impact on our lives, both personally and professionally. During our conversation, we talk about the importance of learning to be curious, flexible, and remaining optimistic. We live in an unpredictable world, and Marcia provides valuable insight and advice about how to navigate the uncertainty and indecision. She also shares why a growth mindset is fundamental for our kids' success and why they need to learn to have faith in themselves. Be sure to stay tuned for Marcia's actionable tips for parents of teens. Now let's get started. Hi, Marcia. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Thank you. I'm thrilled that you're here. Before we go any further, can you just give my audience a quick introduction to who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Marcia Wall. I am a career coach and resume writer. I've been doing this work actually over 20 years, but really solidly and full-time since 2016. And I help people figure out where they want to go in life and how to get there. And I always believe that the best is yet to come. Oh, I love that. I believe that too. I, as I'm finding in my midlife slash mid-career, it just gets better. Let's talk a little bit about your journey. Let's start, let's go back to the high school days, high school Marcia. <laughs> um, when, you, when you were in high school, were you engaged in school? Did you enjoy school? Yes, very much so. I especially liked writing and math. I was involved in student government. I was sort of involved in everything. And I was really lucky, right? Because not every high schooler fits in at high school. High school is not right for everybody, but it was right for me. And I'm lucky to have had a really good experience. So did you know in high school what you wanted to do after high school? Not necessarily for the rest of your life, but were you like, definitely going to college where you're not really sure? Yeah, college was really presented as the only option. My mother was an educator uh, in San Diego City schools. And so that was just assumed that I was going to go. And I was really looking forward to it. It was a really good experience for me. I didn't exactly know what I want to major in. And we can talk more about that later. Uh, but looking back, you know, this was the late 80s when the idea that everyone was going to go to college and that, that was the right idea for everybody. Looking back, no one ever talked to me about trade school or other options. And I still think college was the right decision for me. But it also would have been nice to have a discussion around what else was available. Ugh, I totally agree. And honestly, it hasn't changed that much in high school in that there's not a lot of focus on alternate paths, right? Trades, 
even military gap years going right into business. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast, because I just felt like parents in particular needed more help and support in figuring, helping their their young adults and their teens figure out what was the right path for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you went to college, what did you major in? Well, I started off in something really esoteric called modern society and social thought. Uh, but eventually I went into anthropology. This was Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I thought archaeology sounded fascinating. And I wound through about seven majors, including language and culture, because I was studying French and Spanish. And I ended up with English literature. But what I noticed throughout all of those different majors was a focus on people, a focus on culture, and a focus on um, expressing myself. And so even though I had seven different majors, I had the capacity to understand that those were all just different versions of the same thing that I was studying. And you got that at that time, like that thought occurred to you? Because I, I've said the same thing, like I spent my whole career in in different type roles, but only now can I look back and go, the thing I loved the most was the people part of it, the connection and the coaching and the managing people. But d you knew that at that time? I don't know if I knew that explicitly, but when I did graduate, I could look back and say, well, English literature is not really different from language and language and culture was not really different from anthropology, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think I understood sort of who I was and what, you know, would interest me. But like almost everyone at age 22 who comes right out of college, I didn't understand how that translated into a job. I, you know, I still had the idea that like, I need to find the right career path. Um, you know, my mother and father had had either the same jobs or worked for the same employer most of their lives. And so that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Hmm. Okay. So then right out of college, what did you do? What did I do? Um, <laughs> I started substitute teaching because I didn't really know what to do. And my mother said, hey, you can actually make some pretty good money doing that. It's flexible. Um, I, I probably did some other things on the side. Actually, I worked for a travel agency as a travel coordinator for like religious and educational tours to Europe and Asia. And so everything I did, I was using the same skill set, which was teaching, writing. I was immersed in some sort of other culture. But eventually I said, oh, I don't really know what I want to do. Let me go see a career counselor. And I told her that I wanted to write a column. And she said, okay, what do you need to do to do that? And I said, I'll get a graduate degree in English. That was the extent of the career counseling. Wow. That was it. But I went and got a graduate degree teaching English because I knew I loved school. I knew I loved writing. I did enjoy teaching. And I had had such a good experience when I was in college that I thought everybody did. And this is going to be a piece of cake. And that's not actually what ended up happening. And that's okay. So you finished your graduate degree. Mm -hmm. And did you start writing a column? No, but I have published a lot over the years, but I did go and teach English at the college level because I thought would, that would be sort of my stable job as I was doing some things related to writing. And when I started teaching at the college level, I realized that I liked writing and I really liked teaching people who liked writing, but I didn't really enjoy teaching folks who didn't want to be there. 
And I certainly didn't enjoy grading bad papers for a living. And I really didn't like the administrative aspects that came with it. Um, and that was a valuable lesson to learn. And I ended up leaving teaching at the college level. Won't necessarily go into everything else that I did. But I think what I eventually realized at some point was that I liked mentoring people. I liked helping people to realize and exceed their own expectations. And that that was a coach. There was a lot in between, but eventually I got to that part. And then did you start your own business? Did you go to work for somebody? What was your entry into the coaching world? Well, I I will backtrack and say that I ended up doing a lot of things related to education. And uh, for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. I either got laid off or it wasn't a good fit. And so long before I was a coach, I said, you know what? I'm smart enough to work for myself. I can do this. And so I created my own business as a homeschool educational consultant, working with parents and institutions throughout Southern Louisiana. And I did that for a year. And I got to the point where I was breaking even. And I thought that was great. And then Hurricane Katrina hit. Oh. And I lost all of my clients. Oh, no. And so when I came back to New Orleans after being gone for several months, it was no pun intended, it was sink or swim. Mm. And so I ended up doing a thousand different things. I was a stand-up comic. I was a photographer. I taught Spanish part-time at a charter school. I was publishing things. Um, I was a traffic reporter for a radio station. I did everything. And it was one of the greatest joys of my career. I ran an art program for the Jewish Community Center. And so I did that for... So I guess I technically worked for myself like 2004, maybe to 2016. And a lot happened. There was other things that happened in between, which I can talk more about later as it uh, relates to what we're going to talk about in terms of happenstance and, and cottywample. But at some point, I realized that I didn't want to be doing 12,000 things anymore. And so I was like, well, how do I figure it out? And I said, let me hire a career coach. And I hired a fantastic career coach. And at our second meeting, I looked at her and I said, I want your job. And so I ended up getting a job doing career coaching. And eventually, when I got laid off from that job, story of my life getting laid off, I said, you know what, I worked for myself before I can do it again. So I started freelancing. I did work with um, my career coach, actually, she hired me to subcontract with her. And so that's what I've been doing really solidly, either on my own or as a subcontractor since 2018. So that's, I love your story because it's not a straight line. No. And as, as we know very well in career coaching, nobody has a straight line. No, It's much more of a jungle gym, um, hopping around back and forth. And I love that you, through that journey, which is a lot like my journey in that you you end up where you belong, but without experiencing other paths along the way. 100%. Or at least, yeah, that's what happened to me too. And, and it's what happens to most people, again, that I speak to. So let's talk about happenstance and cattywample, which I just love saying that word. But for, for listeners who don't know... Um, what either is. Do you want to give a little bit of an explanation and how it applies to career development? Sure. Happenstance theory is a career development theory and first came from John Crumbles. 
He was established career theorist. And basically, the idea is that indecision is desirable and sensible when it comes to career planning, because life is unplanned, right? I went through Hurricane Katrina. I've gone through some various illnesses that have uprooted my career. And the idea is that in happenstance, you have to learn to deal with change. We have a rapidly changing labor market, stuff like COVID happens, we have a limited degree of control. And so in terms of career planning, we need to be curious about what's out there. We certainly need to develop ourselves, get an education, whether that's formal or informal, whether that's upskilling. We need to go out there and make things happen, either by volunteering or networking, have a sense of persistence about it, a sense of optimism, but ultimately a sense of flexibility. Because as we've seen, we can't control everything in life. If nothing else, COVID proved that to the entire world. For sure. And so happenstance is about knowing yourself. It's about being prepared. It's about having curiosity and moving forward with action, um, but having the ability to pivot as necessary. And cottywampling, quite frankly, is not really that different. Um, the term cottywample was invented between 10 and 20 years ago. And the idea is that you're moving towards a vague destination with a sense of purpose. And Cottywample can apply to any part of your life, right? If you're going traveling, if you talk about it in terms of your personal development, um, your love life even, um, the idea that nothing's planned, but that you go out with a sense of adventure, that you have fun, and I've adapted it for career services. So in a sense, it's very similar to happenstance theory. It's the idea that you really know your own North Star. You know who you are, your skills, your values, your aptitudes, your interests. You know your risk tolerance, the type of place that you want to work in. And when you have that North Star, then you go out in the world and you take jobs, you volunteer, you interact with people, you learn about things, you go to informational interviews. And like you were alluding to earlier, one thing leads to another and you watch your career evolve. Doesn't mean that you sit back and wait for things to happen. It's just the opposite. Um, but you move forward with purpose and intention, but you're also open to the fact that you don't know exactly whether it's going to land. And I think for me, the fundamental difference between happenstance theory and the idea of cottywampling is that with the idea of cottywampling, it's about fun. It's about adventure. It's about, I get to do this. Let's see what happens. And I think happenstance has that in that too, but let's face it, cottywample just sounds like more fun. <laughs> it sure does. Those are really great explanations, really good breaking it down to understand it. I have so many questions. <laughs> so <laughs> I always do. Uh, so, so thinking about that, there are a lot of people in this world who are really uncomfortable with not having a plan or a target or knowing exactly how things are going to unfold. In your coaching experience, how do you help people like that who are feeling really uncertain about an uncertain future? I think in a number of ways. One, in the beginning of our work, I focus heavily on finding that person's North Star, helping them to find it and to be able to articulate it. And again, that's about the values, uh, what they want out of life, their skills, talents, abilities, so that they know that no matter what, that's what they can count on. 
is that North Star and that can feel stable. Um, secondly, I help them to realize that in other parts of their lives, probably nothing has worked out exactly as they planned and they survived and it's okay. And they've already had the experience of being adaptable. I don't want to harp too much on COVID, but it's something everyone experienced and the whole world had to learn how to adapt. So I just remind people that they already have that skill. And from there, we do develop plans. We do look at destinations, right? Like what job might you want? We do um, set out goals. So there is this sense of purpose, but it's just with the understanding that it may not work out and where the certainty, and I use air quotes, the, the way that certainty comes into it is that we develop and I help to coach them on their ability to be nimble, to pivot, to evolve, to navigate, um, to be a little bit more risk tolerant understanding that yes, things will go as unplanned, but you already know you have the skills to be able to move onward from there. So the ambiguity is no longer a threat because they are grounded in their North Star and their ability to pivot. Does that mean that everyone leaves every session feeling like rainbow and unicorns, I've got this, everything's going to work out? Absolutely not. I think the other thing that I would say to that is in my work with clients is that I spend a lot of time and energy and effort normalizing quote unquote failure, normalizing things not working out, normalize being scared, normalize maybe even being depressed about it. And although I never share the you know full detail of my own situation in a session, because the session is about clients, I do share that there were times when I felt uncertain where Hurricane Katrina threw my world upside down, where I have had, you know, physical illnesses that prevented me from working for a few years. And I tell them that sometimes I've been scared. And when they see that a coach has gone through all of these things, has gone through the fire and has been able to thrive, it gives them the sense that they can too. I think fundamentally, if I do nothing else as a coach, it's to create a hope-filled space where people feel like, they can move forward, even in the face of uncertainty. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here, and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. I love that you talk about your own experience here because that's sort of what's happened to me as I have evolved through my career for so many years and then into the podcasting space and then into the coaching space, I feel like everything sort of laid out the way it was supposed to. But at the time, I didn't know that, right? I didn't know why things were happening or what direction I was going in. And now that I am where I am, I've been there, done that. Like, talk about happenstance. This is exactly where I ended up because it's where I feel like I'm supposed to be. And I love that you talk about that and that you share. I love the normalizing 
um, failure because I think that is so important, especially for people who have struggled or who are returning to the workforce, who have been out for a while, or those who are just not feeling like they're in the right spot. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel like you weren't perfect and you didn't do everything right at the right time. Um, I do have a question, though. You talk a lot about, you know, you're having your North Star and and moving toward that. What about people who struggle to find and know their North Star? Because I think that's a pretty widespread comment, uh, widespread problem, too. I think it can. And quite frankly, that's where coaching can come in really handy. I once heard another career coach say that oftentimes the difficulty for uh, clients is a crisis of imagination. They don't know what they don't know. And so they focus on what hasn't worked out because they haven't necessarily seen it work out. I love that quote, having a crisis of imagination. I'm going to absolutely credit you with that. And the original person who said it was... Oh, I credit Norman Amundsen. He is a career theorist, career practitioner. He's been in the field for many years. He focuses on using metaphor as a way of helping clients to move beyond that crisis of imagination. And I'm really on board with that line of thinking. And his theories have helped me to help my clients be able to imagine new possibilities and fundamentally move on to careers and lives that they find satisfying. That's awesome. I think a lot of it too, in my experience, boils down to two things, mindset and confidence or lack thereof in some cases, right? So how do you help clients do that, get into the right mindset and build their confidence as they're searching for new opportunities? Well, I would say two things that a growth mindset is fundamental to this process. And I talk about that with my clients early on, that even if they feel like things are difficult or hasn't worked out, they have to suspend disbelief just for a moment to allow at least the possibility of having a growth mindset so they can move forward. And what I do practically to help clients with that is to set really small, achievable goals that I know that with my help, they'll be able to realize. And once they begin to realize some of their goals and actually have achievements that they can look back on, then they can see that, yes, growth is possible. And I think that helps people to understand that I may not know where the destination is, but I'm on the journey. And the fact that I'm on the journey, that's already a success. In terms of confidence, uh, you know, I spoke earlier about the fact that I speak Spanish and French and I know a smattering of other languages. And I use etymology, the study of the origins of words, as a tool in my coaching constantly. So when we think of the word confidence, it comes um, really from two Latin words, con meaning with and uh, fi, like semperfi, right? Always with faith. So if you have confidence, you're literally having faith or you're with faith with yourself. And so when I frame it a little bit differently, that works for a lot of people because I can say, when else have you had faith in yourself in the past? And they can point to that. If someone has, um, you know, is religious in any way, that really resonates with them. And, you know, even if they're not religious, I think once they understand what confidence really means, they can then think about it in another way. And that's why uh, Norman's focus on 
using metaphor to help clients break through this crisis of imagination really resonates for me. Because fundamentally, when we look at the roots of words, they're all metaphors for something else. And when people understand what they're really saying, they can begin to see things in different ways. And I would also say, again, once we start work together and there's some achievements, they begin to have a little bit of confidence in themselves. Oh, this is so good. I love what I do and I love to share it with people. Well, and it's obvious because, I, and I didn't mention, the, mention this, how we found each other was, I think, through a career thought leaders group or, or one of the career development groups. And I, w- I've been following you on LinkedIn and I've been re- reading all your things and, and watching you. So I, I've really enjoyed it. And now this conversation is really just the icing on the cake. So I'm super excited. Oh, great. So all this that we've talked about is really valuable to anybody at any stage in their career, whether they're just starting out or haven't started yet, or whether they're further down the road. But let's talk about teens and young adults, because that's what this this podcast is really geared toward parents of those people. And um, what can they be doing now as they start to think about discovering a career, maybe planning for their future? Any tips or, or suggestions for them? Yeah, I think there are some soft tips. uh, And then there's some really concrete things that people can do. I think first of all, they need to foster curiosity and a sense of reflection in their teens, a curiosity for learning, to be able to look at diverse subjects, experiences, activities like do piano and do karate, right? Go be part of the STEM club, but also be on the cheerleading squad. Um, read up about foreign film, but maybe you're also really into game design. Just have a sense that there's a lot of possibility out there. And then as you're going through these activities, reflect upon it. What, what about this really works for me? What do I really enjoy? If I don't enjoy this, why don't I enjoy it? And that's okay. And I think fundamentally, and we can do this in elementary school, even in preschool, right? When kids are playing with toys, well, why do you like playing with that toy? Why don't you like playing with this toy? And building um, that ability to reflect and then begin to use that as part of their North Star. I think when we're also talking about teens in particular, we can guide them, but we can't tell them what to do. For sure. We can tell them, but will that work? I don't know. Um, No, it will not. It will not work, right? (laughs) It will not work. And so to respect their autonomy throughout this process, that doesn't mean that we can't hold them accountable. It doesn't mean that, you know, hey, you signed up for cheerleading and see through it at the end of the year, unless, you know, of course you're being bullied or there's, you know, some serious red flag, like stick it out to see what you learn from it. But if you don't want to do cheerleading next year, no big deal. Do something that is really going to work for you. So I think, you know, that type of career exploration at um, Fundamental can really work. I think it's also important to attend career fairs, find people, adults in their lives, ask them about their careers. Why do you do what you do? What do you like about what you do? What do you not like? You know, based on what you know about me, do you think there's something I might be interested in? Where can I learn more about this? You know, can I do an internship? Can I volunteer? So beyond that self-reflection and then taking that self-reflection into the world and sort of testing it against what is out there. I think those two things can be really useful. Yeah, I I talk about career exploration 
a lot on this podcast and just in life. Mm -hmm. People are probably sick of hearing me. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. In the work I do, especially with younger clients, I tell them to keep an open mind because a career might come up in our discovery together that they might say, no way, or I have no idea what that is. Well, it could turn out that that's the best thing for you, right? That it's a great fit and you enjoy it. But keeping an open mind and just letting your curiosity go to wherever it goes, I think is really important. Well, I I will say just a couple more things that in this day and age, it's extraordinarily important. It's vital. It's necessary. It's not an option to be open-minded. As we can see with AI, for example, right? It's radically changing the workforce, the way we work. And so this idea that clients or students need to choose a career and stick with it is just hogwash because more than likely the job that they're going to do is not going to exist or it will exist in a different way in the next year, two years, five years. I can't imagine what career development and choices are going to look like 20 years from now, right? So it's not really an option to be open-minded. I think the other thing, apart from this broad idea of career exploration, young adults need to be networking. They need to be finding people who are already doing this type of work. They need to do informational interviews. And I believe they need to have a resume written or learn how to do it for themselves for a couple of reasons. There's really practical reasons, right? You can use a resume to help you get a scholarship, to get into college, to get an internship, to get that first job. Having said that, creating a resume is an opportunity to do more of that reflection. You take your experience, your talent, your skills, what your volunteer work, And when you're forced to put it in a resume format, it forces you to make sense of it and to create a story about all of that. And more importantly, to be able to talk about those things in an organized way. So a resume is both a product and the process that gets you to the product is important. I I like that way of thinking, of getting them thinking about who they are besides a student, a son, a brother. And what interests them and what they're good at and all those things that, you know, I taught, I recently I've been working with some college students or recent college grads. And a lot of times you ask them what they're good at and they can't tell you. Um, you can get it out of them when you dig a little bit, but right off the top, right off their head, they can't say, Oh, I'm really good at this. Or like they most say, I don't like math or I'm not good at math, but beyond that, there's not a lot they can tell you. So. That's great. Great advice. Yeah, I I would say one last thing is that school really prepares people to be students. And I can say this, I used to teach in the K-12 level, I taught at the college level, and I hope things are changing. But when I was doing that work, we didn't really do a good job of helping people to think about career options and how that fits into who they are and what their lives are going to look like. And as we move further and further into the 21st century, right, we see that who we are and what we do, really, there's no work-life balance. There's no work-life dichotomy. All of it is who we are. And so we need to be teaching our children from a really young age how to see themselves holistically, um, both in their personal lives and their professional lives, and understand that it's really one life and it's theirs to live. Oh, I love that. Um, This was really super helpful. I loved that 
we found the time to do this, to get together and talk about this. I know people are probably going to want to follow you and find you and reach out to you. So tell me where people can find and follow you. Sure. One of the easiest ways might be to go to careercounselingconnection.com. Simply put in my name, Marcia Wall. Just use my last name, Wall, W-A-L-L. Not that complicated. Uh, And from there, you'll find out more about my services and how to contact me. You can also go to LinkedIn and again, type in Marcia Wall. And there's not that many of us. And I'm about the only one on there who's a career coach. So you can uh, find out more about me there that will have a link to my link tree where you can hear about my podcast appearances, the webinars that I've done articles that I've written. And if all of that seems too complicated, just email me M W A L L the number 1000 at Gmail. So it's M wall. One triple zero at gmail.com. Oh, that's easy. It is. I'm really grateful for your time and all the expertise that you shared. And I, I know our paths will cross again. Thank you very much. A huge thank you to my friend and career expert, Marcia Wall. I learn something new and valuable every time I speak with Marcia. Happenstance theory has played a huge role in my own life, and it probably has in yours too. We all struggle with indecision and uncertainty, and it isn't always easy. But if we can continue to be curious and flexible, we'll be better equipped to pivot as needed. This is such an important message for our teens and young adults. Our younger generations were thrown an enormous curveball during the pandemic. We all witnessed as our kids had to dig deep and find the strength and motivation to pivot in a different direction. It wasn't easy, and they didn't enjoy it but it helped them build resilience and flexibility. These are skills they will use throughout their lives, both personally and professionally. If we can help our kids find their own North Star, and if we can teach them to sit in the discomfort of uncertainty, we will be preparing them for the twists and turns of life. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm grateful that you took the time to listen. Please share this podcast with someone who will find it helpful. Be sure and check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com, where I will include all links mentioned during this episode. And one more thing, if you know of a teen or young adult who could use some help finding their North Star, exploring careers, identifying a path forward, or finding a job, I'd love to help. Visit my website, betsyjewelcoaching.com, and sign up for a free 30-minute discovery call. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm Anne Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in, and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave.